0: Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti and this is episode 125 of Yogaland. I am so happy that you have been enjoying the past few podcasts. I feel honestly like the guests that I'm getting lately are just really doing it for me. I'm feeling really passionate about it all and it's always nice to hear from you that you feel the same way and that this, is, this is adding something to your life. And if you feel that way and you have not left an iTunes review yet, you could, and it will make you feel so good for the rest of the day. Not only would it be like, I love yoga land podcast, but you'll also be like, and I did my good deed for the day by supporting it. Gosh. There I go, marketing myself. Okay, so today's guest is Susanna Friedman. This is gonna be such a fun episode. Susanna is a vinyasa yoga teacher in San Francisco. She teaches at Love Story Yoga with Stephanie Snyder and Jason Crandall and lots of other great teachers. And that's how I've gotten to know her. Susanna is someone who, when you meet her, you sort of feel like you know her right away. At least that's how I felt. So I learned that she has a background in astrology and she also has a master's degree in philosophy and religion. She also grew up doing yoga and she's recently written a book about that, that we talk about that's called Suffer Less Using Yoga Principles to Live a More Peaceful Life. So she's a really fascinating person. And I told her recently that I wanted to know more about astrology astrology through her because it's never been something that's really fully resonated with me, but I find her to be so thoughtful and interesting that I thought it would be cool to hear her perspective. And as she talks about in the podcast, she says, you know, she sees astrology as just another tool for understanding yourself and your innate strengths. And then sort of like your samskaras, the things that you uh, come into the world with to work on. And then she also sees it as a karmic blueprint for your life. So that's what we talk about today. And, uh, Oh, one more thing, Susanna and some other San Francisco teachers, Danny Pomploon, Stephanie Snyder, Janet Stone are all doing a charity event very soon called one love. And it's, I believe it's sponsored by Lululemon. And so if you are in San Francisco and you want to support homeless youth, please buy a ticket. I will put a link to it on the show notes page so that you can find it. Okay. Enjoy the interview with Susanna. Hi, Susanna. Hi, Andrea. How are you? I'm
1: good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm so glad that you're here.
1: Me too. I've been wondering about this room for a very long time.
0: <laughs> and now the the enigma has revealed itself yeah. to you. Is it everything you imagined?
1: It's much more. Really? Much, much more. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I am in such a good space right now because you just came over and very generously read my chart for me, mm-hmm. which was like, we both, I think, were kind of mind blown mm-hmm. by how much really resonated. And I think I told you when we first started having this conversation that I don't know much about astrology. It's not something I've ever really even been that interested in. But then when I saw that you were teaching an astro flow class that I could not go to, mm-hmm. I was like, I love her. I want to see, <laughs> I want to know how she's doing this and what she is doing. Mm-hmm. So let's just start with kind of your background. I mean, mm-hmm. you actually have a really fascinating yoga background. Yeah. I'd love for if you could talk about that a little sure. bit and then how you kind of came to start learning about astrology. Sure.
1: Yeah. So I definitely didn't have the most normal upbringing or like run-of-the-mill upbringing. My, in terms of my yogic background, my parents sent me to a Hindu Sunday school and Sai Baba was sort of the guru of the Sunday school. One of Sai Baba's Gifts was that he could produce ash from the palm of his hand. That was like one of his cities that he got from all the tapas that he had done. And so we would like get these little packages of ash that we would just like as 3 year olds sit around and eat and be like, we're eating God, we're eating God, you know? <laughs> and that was just totally normal to me. And this
0: is in Northern California, right? No,
1: Southern California. Okay, this is okay. in Santa Barbara, yeah. yeah. My step-parents had, tra- no, it's not step-parents, uh, my godparents, excuse me, had traveled to India multiple times. Um, They had met this man Pandaji there and he had been to America before, but he didn't really have that much of a following. They brought him back and he would hold satsang in their living room with like 20 people. He's now Sri Sri Ravi Shankar with millions of followers all over the world. I wish I had known that back then and paid a little bit closer attention, but obviously it seeped in somehow. And so we would just, my mom would bring me to sit with him. And I just hated it. You know, I thought it was like the most boring thing in the world. But I really understood the feeling of it. I really got what the feeling of it was. Mm. And I think that's what stuck with me. And so then I just tried like, kind of my whole life to go back to yoga. And I always hated it, Mm. you know, because I always went back to the physical practice first. And, you know, back in the day, like there wasn't music. It was mostly Hatha yoga, like stand, go into a pose, stand, go into a pose, one down, down you know, all these things that like just weren't enough activity for me as a teenager. Mm-hmm. But it was like the thing all the pretty skinny people were doing. So I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> wow. That is Southern Cal. Yeah, it's very Southern California. Yeah. But then eventually I found I started in Bikram yoga in, in, when I was 19. And then that stuck. And it really has such a bridge snowballed. for so many people. For sure. Yeah. And like, you know, you did an incredible podcast with the producer of the program about Bikram. And regardless of the man, which is really hard to say, but it is a system that is really beneficial and heals a lot of people Mm -hmm. and really helped me deal with a lot of hormonal issues, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. They do a lot of Jalandharabandha. That's neither here nor there, but that is really good for regulating the hormones. Wow. So anyways, in that time, my parents got divorced and my mom got together with my stepmom, Jennifer, who I had known for a few years and I really liked. And she has been doing astrology for, I mean, that was 21 years ago. So she had already been doing astrology for about 20 years at that point. And she would always explain things to me about my personality through astrology.
0: And were you like were you like about 10 at this point? No,
1: I was 13. 13, okay. So it was like 13, 14, 15 time. And I was a super open-minded kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to Waldorf school. Like I had hippie parents, you know, but I just hated it. Mm -hmm. I hated that if I was upset, she would be like, oh, cancer moon, (laughs) which now I know is like, yeah, I'm a little bit more emotional than people who don't have a cancer moon overall. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I was just like, no, it's not. It's not because of my cancer moon, you know? And I think it's just about at that age trying to find identity and someone else telling you your identity. You're just like, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. I'll find it myself.
0: No matter what, if parent, yes, it's like, They want to relate to their kids. So they like do these things. And no matter what it is, whether it's a hippie thing or a totally conservative thing, the kid's going to be like, no way, man. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) And I mean, my type of rebellion was like very mild, you know, but it was basically saying, like, that's not true. Uh Stop (laughs) telling me that. (laughs) But in my, to me, it felt like a really rebellious act. Yeah. You know, I grew up with astrology in my house as kind of this language that I didn't like. Because for that reason, like someone trying to describe me, but also I think at the time it felt kind of fatalistic to me. And now that I know more about it, it's much more about possibility. It's not about like the ending of it. It's about here's where you're starting and here are your tools and here's where it can go. But at the time it just felt kind of like you're boxing me in and Mm -hmm. I, anytime I feel boxed in, for those of you who know astrology, I have Mars and Uranus in the first house. Mars is the planet of action. Uranus is a planet of rebellion. The first house is how you are in your first initiation into the world. So my first reaction is to not bolt necessarily, but do the exact opposite of what someone tells me to do, hmm. unless it's my yoga teacher. Hmm. Like I don't listen. I don't listen. My brother is always like, you don't listen to anything that your family tells you to do. I'm like, Correct but anything Stephanie tells me to do or Jason tells me to do. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So I ended up um, through all these different circumstances. I ended up being home in Santa Barbara for a year when I was 26. And I was just there saving money. And my stepmom was leading a course, a certification course on astrology. And she said, why don't you come? And I was kind of giving into it at that point. I was seeing more of the truth behind it and how it related And so I took her up on the offer and I ended up taking the course and it ended up coming really naturally to me and learning more about it. It just kind of proved to be true for me. And every time I've given a reading, like the reading we just had together, it is proven accurate. Yeah. I was telling you a little bit earlier that there are only a couple of times where I've given a reading and someone has said that some aspect of it really didn't ring true. Yeah. And that was much earlier when I was doing this. So I've been doing this now for about eight years, about as long as I've been teaching yoga. Now it's such a gift for me to be able to look at my chart and see, oh, this is what's going on right now. What strengths can I pull from? Oh, this is when it will be over. It's just another sort of great tool in my toolkit.
0: So I like that you said that you see it as a way to look at your possibilities, because that's very much how I felt when you did the reading. And that's the thing that's always kept me away from wanting to have a reading done i Mm -hmm. mean and part of it's just that we've all been exposed to astrology through like the two sentences in a magazine and they're just like very prescriptive and you know that's either like good news or you're gonna meet your boyfriend next month or you're gonna break up or whatever and you're just and i think it i always looked at it as similar to the way i look at you know like palm reading or something like that Mm -hmm. like i i'm it scares me like i don't want to find out something horrible and fatalistic Mm -hmm. um so i guess i wonder What is it about the way that you were trained or the kind of Mm -hmm. astrology that you do that has allowed for that possibility for you to look at things a little bit differently than perhaps we were used to?
1: I'm going to include some astrology in this explanation. So I hope it makes sense. And if it doesn't, just I'll explain it using regular language. Okay. My stepmom, who's my astrology teacher, she is an Aquarius, very strong Aquarius, which is very much your own free will, your own agency. And so she is not at all geared towards telling somebody what's going to happen. Mm. That's not within her sort of belief system. It's more of like, this is the, these are the possibilities of what's going to happen. And it's up to you about which of those roads you take. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way she teaches it as well. And personally, even if she hadn't taught it that way, I get clients all the time who are like, yeah, an astrologer told me that, you know, on Mm -hmm. this date, this was going to happen. And I my response is always unless that person is legitimately psychic, which I believe in. Mm -hmm. That's an irresponsible thing to say. And so I always try to give readings from a place of. Leaving room for sort of the twists and turns of life, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, and. I don't think it's helpful. At least it wouldn't be helpful for me for someone to be like, in six months, there's going to be a death of someone close to you. Like, that wouldn't be helpful to me. I don't want to hear that. Maybe for some people, they do want to hear that it helps them prepare. For me, it just brings up so much stress and makes me live in the future in a way that I don't want to. Yeah. So I think also the yoga really comes in really strong of like, what's happening in this moment? How can you work on this moment? And then if it's applicable, for some people, when I do a reading, I'll say like in six months, just so you know, you might feel a little bit more angsty because this is happening with this or whatever, but that's as far as I'll go. Mm-hmm. And I and I do that just so people can sort of gear up for it and they're ready for it. Mm-hmm. Because I think that one of the best things about astrology is if you're sort of ready for what's coming or if you can actively work with what's coming, then it feels like a time of progress like deep spiritual emotional progress rather than a time of what in the world is going on mm-hmm, rather mm-hmm. than a time of confusion or despair or wanting to give up
0: mm-hmm. I, I I liked when you did my reading you talked about what's happening right now like with, with what you said were the transits mm-hmm. and so you brought up what you were seeing and then it actually immediately related to something that's happening for me right now. And then I liked that you related it to, okay, well, this is something you can think about for the next few months or you can journal about, or you Mm -hmm. can talk to a therapist about, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like kind of just leading me, it kind of led, just led me into this doorway of like, all right, this is the work for right now if you want to work on it. Yeah. And it gave it a little bit more background.
1: Yeah. I think that having some structure around, especially those more difficult transits. A transit being when a planet in the sky now is in alignment with where something was in your chart when you were born, when a certain planet, where a certain planet was in your chart when you were born. And so for those more difficult moments, I just think having some sort of structure, having some sort of outline is really helpful to be like, okay, these are the parameters I'm going to work in right now. And it's also, we do have this deep sense innately, if, you're at all paying attention to your own psyche, you know, we have a deep sense that we should be doing specific work. And the reason why it lands so landed so much for you is because on some level, you knew that that was the work you're supposed to be doing right now. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. so for a lot of people also getting an astrology reading or knowing their chart just makes them helps them feel not crazy. You know, like, I'm not making this up in my mind. That's the response I get all the time. Like, thank God I thought I was crazy. I'm not making this up. This is here. It's something that's happening. Right. It's
0: validating. Yeah. Yeah. So how much of what you're doing when you're doing reading, because you showed me the chart and it just looks like a bunch of hieroglyphics to me. (laughs) Like, how much of it is for you art and science? Like, how, how, or Mm, maybe intuition,
1: uh-huh. And science. Sure. So this is tricky and I always kind of go back and forth about this about like whether I'm taking too much liberty or or if it's the right thing for me to be doing and it's gone okay so far. So yeah. I think it's okay. But a lot of it is intuitive. Uh-huh. Just the way that I give readings and the way that I was trained to give readings. But a lot of people are much much more matter of fact. And I've found in my experience that the people who are more matter-of-fact are also the people who are a little bit more, this is going to happen now, this is going to happen now, this is going to happen now.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's
1: just not how I work, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. I have too much water in my chart to do, to be that way. Mm-hmm. So, like, anytime I'm doing anything creative, everyone is always like, make an outline, do this thing. And I'm like, that's just not how I am. That's mm-hmm. just not how I work. I just, whatever's going to come through me is going to come through me. And then I'll the next time something comes, it'll come. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a lot intuitive, but it's intuition definitely based on the specifics of the chart of what you're looking at. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. I'm not like,
1: I don't think that chart is right. (laughs) What I think, you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm like, my intuition is that this aspect of your chart is talking about this Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And then most of us have heard of, you know, the sun sign. like that's that's the, the month has to do with the month and day you're born. But what are some other like basic things mm-hmm. that we could find out about ourselves that would, as you said, sort of help validate, okay, this is why my tendency is like
1: this. Yeah. Or It depends kind of what you're looking for. And so the course that I'm putting out in Spirituality and Health Magazine on their platform is about your chart and your karma, your chart and love, your chart and your energy. Mm-hmm. And so for those specific things, there are certain things to look for. I think that the first step for people past sun sign is knowing your rising sign and your moon sign. Your rising sign is people's first perception of you. And it's how you kind of first enter into situations, how you first enter into the world. So that's really helpful to know how people first perceive you. For instance, I can really only talk about my chart because all the readings I give are confidential. I have Scorpio Rising, which is definitely a sit back and watch things and really look at things and try to dig deep into them before I initiate myself into it. Mm -hmm. So until I understood how that manifested on my face and how that manifested in how I held space, I got all the time from people who are now my best friends I thought you were such a fill in the blank when I first met you. <laughs> oh my god! Like my whole teenage life. Like you have Into RBF? my 20s. Yeah. Okay. Major. Okay. And I still do. I'm not like walking around with a smile on my face now all the time. <laughs> but in social situations, I do actively in my mind try to soften that part of myself because I know that it's intimidating. Yeah. And I don't want to be intimidating. Yeah. And there's only so much I can do to help that. Right. <laughs> you know? But, like, I'm really happy that I know that. I'm really happy that I know that with Scorpio rising, I don't want to be off putting to people. I want to be welcoming and nurturing. And mm-hmm. the other part of Scorpio is like deep, deep healing. So, I'd rather come across as someone who is a safe person to be with than as someone who is like above yeah. other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, in that way, I think it's really helpful to know your rising. Also, just to know sort of your patterning <clears> of how you first look at things so that. Trust your first reaction and also know that there's more. And then your moon sign is your emotional body. And you can't really, the thing that really m- makes me sad <laughs> about sort of like Cosmo Magazine two line astrology, there are some of those that are really good. There are some of those that um, the astrologer takes into more account, takes more into account than just the sun sign. But like those are such a an indicator of where our culture is about what's important Hmm. because it's like who is your solar self who is your bright self who is the first like who's the ego self Hmm. and that's what everything is concentrated on that's what we all that's all the magazines that's all they deal with it's like but what about your emotions what about your unconscious Hmm. so to know what sign your moon is in and to know what house your moon is in can be really helpful in understanding how to sort of deal with your emotions and maybe what your triggers are, what's going to make you more emotional, et cetera.
0: So two things. Mm -hmm. Can you recommend a site or something where people can go and find out just that, like a small amount of information?
1: So I'm going to give a little like precursor to that, which is what I would say not to do is don't put in your birth information online and then print out an interpretation of your chart from that. It's very sort of enthralling and like yeah. you want to do it. Yeah. But the problem with that is that it takes each thing and explains it separately. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take the whole picture into account.
0: Or I guess the other question I, I had was for the, so you're doing an online course yeah. that you mentioned. Are you going to have a, some kind of tool with that
1: that yeah i'm gonna explain where i'm i'm gonna explain where online to find out this stuff in your chart okay um which isn't a secret a good place is astro.com okay or astrology cafe is a good place astro.com is a good place you put in your birth information it will show you your chart and then from that you can go to cafe astrology or many many other websites and type in like sun in leo or sun in the 10th house something like that, and then read about that. Mm. And just know that if it's a little bit off, it's because there are other things in your chart that are changing that a little bit. It's not because astrology is wrong. Okay, It's just too um, narrow of a perspective.
0: Because like you said, there's where everything was when you were born, Mm -hmm. and then there's what's happening now with the planets. And that is affecting... That affects you.
1: So I think that for someone who isn't trained in in astrology, looking at the transits is a little too tricky. Yeah, it really. I mean, you said it's like looking at hieroglyphics. It really is learning a new language. Yeah. I mean, I had to talk to Jennifer about it. Like, we would just talk about astrology so I could learn this language. Hmm. You know, and that's kind of how you have to treat it. I mean, I had to study the signs. I had to study like each sign is also fixed mutable or you know there are all these other things that go there are all these qualities modalities so it is learning a whole other language and structure yeah so i would say, say stay away from transits unless you know astrology if you want to get your transits done get a reading mm-hmm. but you can very easily look at your sun sign. You can very easily look at your moon sign and your rising sign. And whenever I give short readings, those are the ones that I do. I just do sun, moon, rising. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm like at an event and the astrologer and there are like 40 people, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not going to give each of them a full reading. Yeah. So I'll just do like, OK, sun, moon, rising. Yeah. Um, and you can do that on your own. Again, I say this because it is very important. If it's off, just know that other things in your chart are happening.
0: Yeah. Right, right, right. Yes. That's kind of the point I was trying to make people understand. So how did you first think of putting together the AstroFlow workshop, which I don't even know if you're going to offer
1: again, but what made you like create that synthesis? Mm -hmm. Um, It was a couple things. I honestly don't remember if it was my idea or my stepmom's idea, but she is like a well of creativity. It's insane. It's unbelievable, actually. Jennifer Freed, you should Google her and you should read her work. And it's amazing. So I forget whose idea it was. We've brainstormed a lot together. She's been such a gift. But for me, I think people are ready to listen in a certain way when they get into a yoga room, at least in my yoga community, at the studios that I teach at and the community that I've cultivated and all that stuff. There are some communities that like, like I probably wouldn't go into core power, and be like, can I teach an Astroflow workshop right, or like a you strict know?
0: anger yeah. you know, institute or something right, like exactly. that. Right, yeah. exactly. And yeah. that's
1: fine. Those places aren't bad. But for me, that's just not my community. That's not my place. Yeah. So A, I think people are willing to listen from a new place and from a different place and with less defensiveness when they get into a yoga room and when their yoga teacher is talking to them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. At least I know that's true for me. As I said, like, I won't listen to anybody, basically, <laughs> except for Stephanie and Jason and Tias. It's and amazing, like, right? Yeah. And then the other thing was struggled so much with body image and with my body over the course of my life that I've just really realized how important moving emotional and mental like ideas and feelings through the body are. I feel like that's how we really integrate so many things. Hmm. And so when I do an Astroflow workshop, I look at what the astrology of the moment is and I usually offer them when it's a really Pivotal time or when it's something that is like really potent in the atmosphere. I'll talk about what the astrology is and then I'll base my flow around that. So if it's like we need to get really grounded right now so we can take this really big leap of faith then maybe I'll do like a very grounding beginning of the flow, but that's leading up towards handstand or something, you know? Yeah. So I, that's how I kind of gear them. And for me, it's just a way of understanding it from a different perspective.
0: Yeah. That's so neat. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's fun. Well, I mean, how often do you do your own reading and like, do you, are you ever sort of like going through something, you do your own reading and then you process it in your yoga practice or vice versa?
1: I think for me personally, right now, at least it's much more about the patterns and much less about the specific in terms of my astrology. And so I always relate things back to yoga. Yoga is my baseline. Like yoga is my baseline. Astrology isn't kind of an add on to that. Uh huh. So I know what my transits are. I kind of know what I'm going through, but I also know it intuitively. Like if I'm feeling really, really, really tired, sometimes there's this part of me that says, no, Susanna, you have to get up and kick your own butt. You have to do a really rigorous flow right now. And sometimes there's a part of me and that will last for a while, you know? And then sometimes there's a part of me that's like, no, please rest, please rest, please rest. Hmm. And anytime I look at my chart during those moments, It's exactly what that transit is asking for. Hmm. So it's kind of like, I think I just have it in my system now, Mm -hmm. as kind of just like, it's part of my backbone now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just there. I tend to learn a lot about my chart actually by reading other people's charts because I do a lot more research for other people than I do for myself. And so then if they have an aspect in their chart that I also have in my chart, I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's right. You know? (laughs) So it's really interesting in that way.
0: Yeah. When we spoke the first time about it, I think I'm now remembering you talked about samskaras Mm -hmm. and how like you can look at your chart in part to Mm -hmm. see, like, it's like another way to confirm the samskaras that hopefully in yoga we're recognizing first of all, and then like working through.
1: Yeah. And this is another reason why I think that They make such a good combination is because I think the the work of the kleshas, you know, the work in yoga, which my teacher Stephanie is big on and does so beautifully, is really looking at those ingrained habitual patterns that are in your chart. So I look at a person's chart, my own chart, any chart as the karmic blueprint of their life. Like this is what you have to work on in this life. Yeah. Yeah. And I look at the chart of the moment, like for more cultural astrology, as this is what we as a culture are working on at this moment. So I think if you get a chart, if you get your reading done, or you know, astrology, and you look at your chart, it's kind of easy to say, like, oh, this is where my really hard work is. So that's where I need to look into the what are the habits that have come out of that? And how can I fill that groove? Yeah, you know what I mean? How can I sort of sand out that samskara so I can create a, a better one, yeah. a more valuable one.
0: I'm totally putting you on the spot, but like, I can't leave it open-ended. So you said something like you can also look at the, cult, the work we yeah. are doing right now as a culture. Yeah. So what
1: would you say about that? It's really interesting right now. One of the things that's most interesting to me right now is that the alignments that are proving to be kind of difficult, on a grand scale, are also alignments that have such great possibility, which is kind of always the case, right? We always have light and dark together. Yeah. And I know many, many, many people for whom on a personal level, they are doing some really good, deep, unearthing. And they are really kind of wondering, like, what's going on? And and how can I sort of shift? Or what do I need to change so that I can live a better life so that I can live a more peaceful life? We also live in this bubble of the Bay Area, which is like mindfulness central. Yeah. Also, oddly, not. Um, (laughs) That's for a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) But so, like, I think we have to be heartened by the individual work that's being done, but not let that blind us to, not let either side blind us. So, like, the really difficult stuff right now is. Saturn we have Saturn in alignment with Uranus so Saturn is structure and Uranus is rebellion and so like obviously there's a lot of tension around what the structure of our culture is you know and around the world like the me too movement all these things yeah just saying like this isn't working anymore it's time to tear this down to rebuild something And then the other thing that's going on right now is that Pluto is in alignment with Neptune. Pluto is a planet of deep unearthing. I always say that Pluto is Shiva. Like Pluto is death and rebirth. It rules Scorpio. It rules the eighth house. And Neptune is dreams. And so like it's this time of daydream. It's this time of like really potent creativity. Like it's there for us. Mm. But the shadow side of that, which I was talking to you about a couple of weeks ago, I think, like is escapism. So the detriment of a dreamer is escaping reality. And so one thing my stepmom and I talk a lot about recently is how you're just going to see more and more and more people on drugs. Oh, so like this opioid epidemic
0: coping. Yeah,
1: the opioid epidemic not a surprise. Mm. I can almost guarantee after I said I'm not fatalistic, but I can almost guarantee that the way it's going to be dealt with is prescribing a different drug that we'll find out in 10 years is problematic,
0: Mm.
1: you know, because as a culture, and this might change as like the elders within our culture die out, (laughs) just, you know, put it bluntly. Yeah. But We look for the easy fix. And right now is a time where it's saying, if you don't look for the easy fix, if you look for what really is going on and try to work with the deeper layers of what's really going on, we could create a whole new reality. Like no one knows what's going to come from this. Mm -hmm. And the more that we are passive about it and the more that we act like nothing is going to change, nothing is going to change. It really is up to us about what we're going to step into. I always say, because this is what I've been talking about in the most recent Astro Flows, because these alignments are lasting a while. So I always kind of explain it like like the yoga studio. I do it in a yoga studio. So I always say, look around you. This hasn't always existed. This was someone's dream. Mm -hmm. And now we're living in their dream. Hmm. How beautiful is that? Yeah. Every building you see, that was some someone dreamed that up and now it exists and now we use it. Yeah. And you have that ability too. Every single person has that ability. So if all of us got together and like we're trying to work towards a more free, more equal, more harmonious way of being, we could create that. We could. Of course there's going to be dissonance. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm but it doesn't have to be as violent. It doesn't have to be as polarizing. It doesn't have to be as alienating as it is. It could just be interesting. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if both political parties or people with different ideologies just looked at the other person like, wow, that's really interesting that you have that different belief system rather than trying to tear each other down. Yeah. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. And this is also where I love yoga, which is like, it's just God playing with God. And So who are we to say like your way, God expressing itself through you is bad. Right. And God expressing itself through me is good. Right. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a big ego trip.
0: Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So I want to go back to your course for a moment because the structure of it sounds so interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think you said there's like a module that focuses on astrology and karma Mm -hmm. and astrology and love. And what's the
1: third one? Astrology, your your chart and your char- your karma, your chart in love, which just so people aren't disappointed, it's not going to be only about like romantic love. Yeah, it's going to be about like how you receive love, how you give love, all uh-huh. these things. And your chart and your energy. So basically, I'm going to explain how to find that in your chart, or what are a couple things to look for in your chart, and then I'll write out. There are going to be tons of PDFs about information about specific placement of it. So like, if it's for energy, I'm looking a lot at Mars. So I'll talk about Mars in each different house, what that means. I'm obviously not going to talk about all the alignments. But I'm going to talk about some specific things, then there will be exercises, like handwritten exercises to do. Mm. And there will be a 15 to 20 minute video of me talking about it. So it's a lot of information. Yeah. And I think it's just stuff that people... Kind of stuff that I've gotten the most questions about, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. So, okay. So we talked about the karmic blueprint Mm -hmm. and then you said the love part is all different aspects Mm -hmm. of love. So what about the energy
1: part? Like what? Like how to use your energy wisely, especially now where people feel such a need to put out so much stuff. Right. You know, one example is, so uh, a friend of mine who's another yoga teacher in San Francisco, Danny Plum, Plum I could say that's also about Janet Stone, puts out so much content, it's insane. To me, Jason even puts out so much content, it's insane. Yeah. The amount of energy they have to do that
0: yeah.
1: is not the amount of energy I have to do that. Mm. So just being really honest with myself about that so that I don't fall into the hole of comparison
0: Yeah. and
1: be like okay, this is how I can best use my energy. This is where my energy is best, like geared towards, or I have the most energy for this or whatever the case may be. So that's how I'm kind of looking at that point of it so that people can hopefully like stop trying to do everything. Because again, from a yogic perspective, like we're all just trying to live other people's lives. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So like live your own life, do what you're able to do. Yeah. And don't, Try to do what someone else is able to do,
0: right? And if you're not working intelligently, and I, by intelligent, me, I, I just mean like in alignment with what yeah. you're talking about, you're actually not able to share your unique qualities and gifts. You're At just, all. yeah, you're just like on a treadmill.
1: Everything is so thin. There's no depth, right? And I think that as a teacher, for whatever it's worth, I think students notice that. Mm. You know, yeah, and like people in your life notice when you're just flying on the surface.
0: Totally. They notice when you're flying on the surface. They also notice when you are more irritable than the situation really warrants. That's what I know. (laughs) I'm like really off is when I'm just like snappish. Totally. It's just like, I'm trying to do too much. And this one thing that is not going at the pace that I want it to go is getting my way. And I snap.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, so I just released this ebook about yoga philosophy and how to sort of use it in your life. And I was getting so down on myself for this is taking me so long. And all these other people have put out three courses and I haven't even filmed the videos for these. And, you know, but if I had tried to do something else, I would not have been happy with what that turned out to be. Yeah, And I haven't gone back and read it. But I think I'm pretty happy with what it turned out That's to beautiful. be. beautiful. I, I can vouch for it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's great. And so I'm like, okay, I'd rather have sub- something of substance that people can hold on to for a really long time. Like my mom said the sweetest thing. She's like, Susanna, your book is one of those books that like if it was printed, it's an online book. She's like it would be a book that people just keep by the side of their bed and they can open to like any page just for a little inspiration. I'd so much rather that be my legacy than like, Oh my God, Susanna has a hundred courses online. I know. know? I know. Yeah. It's true. Some people have the energy to go deep in each thing and do a thousand of those things. Right. Right.
0: Everybody's offering is different. Like I read your book and I was really impressed because having been an editor and like reading raw people's raw copy all the time I mean it's rare to read something that's like so clean and mm. like told <laughs> such a good story and it's thanks. like throughout I mean I'm pretty amazed that you did that without an I'm very amazed that you did that without an editor it's really Thank lovely you. yeah thanks just like you structured it mm-hmm. and it's like it's personal and it's Mm servicey, you know, it it provides a service to people and it's actionable. It's really, it's really.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think, you know, I really don't take any credit for that. I mean, I could go really yoga into why I don't take credit for it, but also just because like, this is the way I was taught. Like my parents are such a gift to me. My dad's an author. My stepmom is now also an author. My sister is an author my, and wow. um, my brother writes screenplays.
0: Oh, wow. So like yeah, it's in you. Yeah, we were.
1: Brought up just with books, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. everywhere. And then I also. In terms of like grammar and all those things, I went to schools where that was just like bored into me going to grad school. I kind of was like after I <laughs> finished grad school, I was like, why? I'm still just teaching yoga why did I do this? And now I kind of know, because it's really given me the ability. You know, it was really daunting to sit down and be like, I'm going to write a book. But then I was like, wait, I've written so many 20 page papers before. Right. So I have this ability. Yeah. And I know how to structure because I had professors critique my writing. Yeah. You know, so I did have a lot of help in getting to that place. I have worked really hard to get to that place. Right. right, It's not like
0: it came out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, but you still applied the things that you learned. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I had a, I added a lot of people for a very long time. So yeah, yeah. Things come in various states, and that's fine. That's actually kept me in a job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we were going to talk about before we wrap up. We were going to talk about the point of fear and the point of mastery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Okay. This is one thing that I think people can look to their charts for. Pretty easily. Saturn is the planet of structure. In Western classical astrology, it's known. Oh, I should say, by the way, I'm not a Vedic astrologer. This is all Western astrology. Yes. It's known as Senex, the Senex, which is like the wise old master. And it can feel really confining but it can also be the structure in which you get things done. So Saturn often in a chart points to where you have a lot of fear around not sort of being enough or doing enough, but also where you have an ability of mastery or an ability to maybe even teach that or parse it out for yourself in a way that's very clear and helpful. So for me, for instance, I have Saturn in a, in the 12th house. The 12th house is all about god and divine arts like writing singing painting all those things it can also be addiction and it can also be uh delusion i know i have an addictive personality i haven't had to deal with delusion that much at least (laughs) i don't think i have but i constantly feel like and it's getting a lot better that i'm not doing enough spiritually I constantly feel like I need to be meditating more, I need to be training more, I need to be reading more. And I read all the time. yeah, I train all the time. like so it's it's an unreasonable fear. but also, like now it's kind of what I'm best at and what I'm teaching. And it's the more I talk about that side of it which is kind of scary. Like the first time I really started using the word God in yoga classes, I was like terrified, Mm -hmm. but that has not turned anybody off. No one left my classes. If not, they've, if um, not only that, but they've grown. So it shows you where you like have this strength and this ability. And now that I know astrology more, I'm kind of like when, when it comes up that I'm like, you have to be doing more. You have to be doing more. I allow myself to take a step back, name the things I'm doing And ask myself, do I really have to do more or not? Because sometimes I do. Sometimes Mm. I'm like, oh, Susanna, you're slacking a little bit, you know? And then sometimes I'm like, no, you're doing enough. Yeah. I love Saturn. Yeah. Which took me a long time to get there, to say that.
0: Yeah, because everybody hears about the Saturn return, which is your late 20s, right? And it can extend for a while. It's three
1: years. Yeah. So it's usually either like 27 to 30 or 28 to 31, depending around that time. And the thing about Saturn return is that if you know what your Saturn return is about, like you know what house Saturn is in and you know sort of like what different planets are playing with Saturn, then it's a workable time to move into a better position. Rather than a time that feels like your life is being undone and you're out of control. Yeah, which is how it can feel. So I had a friend who I didn't give a reading to, but we kind of just looked at where Saturn was in his chart and kind of talked about what his Saturn return would be. He came on retreat with me this year and was like, I would not have gotten through my Saturn return had I not known how to work with it or That's what amazing. to do with it.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that. I could have known that back then. Although, well, yeah, I turned out just fine, but I did yeah. almost get married to someone in that time. Right. I no, mean- so
1: the first Saturn return is always big life decision. Yeah. Buying a house, getting married, having a kid, going to grad school, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Second Saturn return is thinking about your mortality. So it's like 27 to 28 years later, Hmm. you know, and thinking about what do you want the rest of your life to look like? Hmm. So it takes on different aspects. It's not going to be the same. And like if you grow really old, you'll have it three times, but most of it or a lot of people just twice.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first
1: one's a doozy because it's the first time it's hit you.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's
1: like it's the, it's stepping into being an adult.
0: Yeah. I remember it so clearly.
1: and so <laughs> glad that's behind me now. Yeah. Same.
0: <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Susanna. We, you are going to be part of an event that's happening in San Francisco mm-hmm. soon. Can you talk a little bit about that? I
1: can. Yeah. So I'm really, really excited. Again, Danny, who I had mentioned earlier, he is just such a generous, generous soul. And he... Um, is very open about what his story is. He grew up pretty poor and in a really bad situation and kind of left home when he was 16. And so anyways, he does a lot of charity work and he has put together this beautiful experience called One Love. It's the One Love Movement, which is an organization out of San Diego. And they raise money for um, homeless youth in whatever city the event is in. So we'll be raising money for homeless youth in, in San Francisco for a specific organization, which now is, it's on all the information, but it's not in my head right now. And then also they started an orphanage in India. And mm-hmm. so some of the proceeds go to the orphanage in India. Um, and so it's Danny, uh, Janet Stone, Stephanie Snyder, and I are all teaching this event on Saturday, October 20th and it's in the morning it's like an hour and a half it's not that long you'll get a ton of free goodies everything and everyone who is there is doing it for charity so like none of us are getting paid none of the vendors are getting paid they're just giving their stuff yeah and the space holds 400 people so we're really hoping to just raise a lot a lot a lot a lot of money yeah and i'm really excited about it
0: that's great yeah for people who need it and i told danny I was like, I wish I could go. I saw the poster at the studio and I was like, God, I got to get out in the community more. I'll be in Maui with Jason and Sophia. Oh, I'm terrible. Gonna <laughs> get us, but I'm going to get us tickets. Anyway, I, I emailed Danny and I said, can I get tickets? I don't want to take someone's spot. Like if, and he's like, no, 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 you can, you know, we yeah. expect some no shows so you can always get tickets. So I'll put a link to that event on the Thank show you. notes
1: page so people yeah, can find it. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you can, you know, you can always, it's just buy a ticket even if you don't come. Right like do something good
0: exactly exactly we need it yeah all right hon thank you so much thank you so much thanks for listening everyone I will put links to all of Susanna's different resources that we talked about on the show notes page at com slash episode 125 I would love to hear from you on Instagram or anywhere else about your own experience with astrology and, uh, you know, just what this inspired in you. So I look forward to connecting there. And until next week, enjoy your practice.